Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. And I'm glad to be gathered around God's Word with God's people today. Going to be a grand time here at lunch. Going to have a great lunch today with God's Word being the meat. And I'm telling you, He's going to provide for us, as He always is faithful to do, in this great topic that we're looking at, the deep things of God. This is really getting more precious to me the more I look at it, even just seconds before I turn the camera on. This is just... This is just a marvelous, great truth, and I hope you'd get your Bibles and pencil paper. Follow along with us uh, as you would in a classroom setting and uh, just hear what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of grace would say to us today and attempt to put our feet in. Praise the Lord. While you're getting your Bibles, I want to remind you that everything we do here at Crossway Church, you will find on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. And I really encourage you to go and check out that website. I've been updating it and working on it a lot the last few days. And and I've got the, the new pod bean on the front, the home screen. It's right on the left. And never been easier before to listen to the audio messages right there at the website. You can either click on a message, one of the most recent messages, or you can click on the Podbean little sign, and it'll take you to, the, to our channel on Podbean where there's, just, there's a thousand and more, a thousand and more than a thousand teachings, messages there for you to listen to, to learn the Word of God in the context of the Lamb of God and what He did at Calvary. And I mean that with all my heart. The focus of the cross of Christ is what our ministry is really all about, to see the lost saved and the wandering church come back to faith and grace. So avail yourself to on that website to what's there. There's commentaries. Angel Peace has her music CD there that's so beautiful. And there's even some Romans commentary ebooks there now that you can download. And so uh, I just praise the Lord for everything he's able to do through you and us here. And, and I praise God for every one of you who glean from this ministry and show your appreciation to the Lord by giving to Him through this ministry. And you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. Let's get into the word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's again, and I've got some, some uh, uh, the Lord has given me some great scripture for what He is uh, teaching me right now, and I hope that you would be encouraged and blessed today. But first, we have to start where we began uh, this past Monday, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And what we'll do again is we'll read verses 9 and 10, and then we'll have to back up to the first part of this chapter, my friends. I know your students of the word who have spirit-taught hearts and you're longing to hear truth and I know the Lord is faithful to give truth to us so that our hearts can be filled with it and our feet can be walking in it and nothing pleases him more than that 
And so let's read verse 9 and 10 in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where this phrase is mentioned, the deep things of God. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The things of God, they're, they're deep all the way, all the way around. The, the, anything dealing with God is deep. But there are many things that should be basic milk that we should have already known that people are caught. When they hear it, they're like, wow, that's deep. And let me say it again. All the things of God are deep. When you stepped into Christ, when you were immersed into his death by believing upon him through faith in what he did at the cross, dying for you, you, you when you were immersed into the things of God, into Christ, into his death, into the kingdom, you, you were placed in a place that is deep. This great well of salvation that is ever so deep. And let me, I have to say it again. Everything dealing with God is deep and cannot be experienced until we at least are born again and we begin our entrance into the deep things of God. But the depths of God, the Bible says, are unsearchable. That, that doesn't mean that we can't seek out the deep things of God. That means that the, the depth that he is will never be known by humanity. If everything about God could be fully known and understood about God, what kind of God would that be? This is the God who who speaks and 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 the Son appears in the in in, in the universe that He already had created a, a, a universe. I mean, I, this could go on forever talking about the unsearchable depths of our God, but I find it very amazing that this phrase that the Holy Spirit has used one time in this capacity, the deep things of God, is right here in the context of God bringing the Apostle Paul to a place of being determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified and attempting to get the church in Corinth and all the body of Christ, even you and me now, to come back to that place where we're determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified because there is no other place where the experience of the deep things of God are going to be found. No other avenue. Men may get up and be able to speak well and entertain with dramatic uh, movements and they may be able to uh, put on a, and present some wise presentation. But in all of that, uh, the deep things of God are not going to be found except by those who are determining to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. So let's back up again and begin in verse 1. And again, I have some other things here I want to share if the Lord permit. To, but we have to go back because there's the one thing, and I know most of you who follow this ministry, you already know this. 
But God wants to apply this to a deeper place in your heart because what we know, it, there's a deeper place of knowing truth. It, there's a deeper, there are deeper truths and there's a deeper place in our hearts for God to establish these truths in his righteousness and with his grace as we ministered Wednesday night. So let's look in verse 1. And I, brothers, when I came to you, I didn't come with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, because I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, if you read this letter, you'll see the problem in Corinth was that men were following men. Men were seeking honor from men. And if you'll remember in John 5 and 44, I believe it is, Jesus said, as long as you're seeking honor from men, and instead of that which comes from God, you won't be able to believe. It, 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 it eliminates our believing properly. And, and I have to add this today that I've watched over the last uh, few years this great deception. And I'm not, I, listen, I wasn't excluded from it. I've been found in it more than once. Uh, it's a very deceitful, manipulative, and deceptive thing that men can be trapped in. And it's really this we can think we're honoring men while the whole time we're seeking honor from those men it is a very deceptive thing that few will ever find the escape from unless they find this place of being determined to know nothing other to trust in nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified it is a very very scary alarming deceitful manipulative and deceptive Receptive trap of the enemy for us to think we're honoring and we should honor people properly according to the scriptures but you have to be very careful my friend because in honoring people while we think we're honoring people many times we're really only seeking to be honored by them and where the rubber meets the highway is when truth and that which is not truth takes place, what do we do with that? Do we just push it aside because we want to honor man? That proves right there we're only seeking honor from men. No, we have to deal with the faults just as Jesus did and John the Baptist did, all the prophets of old did, and we as God's Christians today must deal with the things that are not only right, but the things that are not right. So Paul says that I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, I'm not going to cover these again. We're going to move on today. But if you missed the first session, you need to go and listen to what we taught this past Monday about these three words that always accompany the determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified and that is weakness and fear and much trembling. It's not an outward put on, it's not a show, it's an inward work of the Holy Spirit. But it can only happen of the Holy Spirit 
if we've become determined not to know anything, and that means not to allow anything in our pulpits than Jesus Christ and him crucified. No matter where the word of God is being expounded on, it must be touching Jesus Christ and him crucified. We've gotten so far away from this reality that people who believe this now are looked at as a joke. They're looked at literally as troublemakers. And my friend, the troublemakers are those who go against this very truth and the cross of Christ I saw it today in Psalms chapter 69 that the prophetic picture of Jesus at Calvary the, the, there's a scripture in the book of Psalms that that says the, the prayer is let let this that should have been for their well-being become their trap those who refuse to walk in this place of being determined to know nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified means they're still allowing things that do not have that focus. And all of that will only trap them. It can only trap them. And the longer they hold dear to it, the greater the deceptive manipulating power of the enemy will be there. So you got to be very careful who you're listening to based on what they're saying. Are they using God's word to point you to the cross of Christ no matter what they're teaching? Or are they not? Are they coming in determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified? Or can you tell they're not? It's there. Verse 4. And my speech and my preaching, he's saying it again. Listen, he's saying it again. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words, and that word enticing means persuasive. Get this. Get this now. I got to read this again now. My speech and my preaching was not with persuasive words, meaning we can't talk anybody into anything, of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, the demonstration of the Spirit and of the Spirit's power is through the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. We can read that and say we agree with that and then go right out and refuse to touch redemption in what we're bringing forth from the Word of God when Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our King, our Master says that the Scriptures testify of Him. He is the living Word. When we come to grips with that and not just say there's a scarlet thread that runs all throughout the Bible, but we preach the scarlet thread that runs all throughout the Bible, not only in its theology and its illumination in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit will give us if we're willing to look, but also in the application of which the Holy Spirit has to be the one applying if our hearts are surrendered to that scarlet thread, that theology of the scarlet thread. But notice, he says, and my speech and my preaching is what was in the power, the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. It wasn't what went on at, at, after the preaching. It was what went on by what he was preaching. People were getting it or they weren't while he was preaching. Amen. 
watch this, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Why? Because it cannot stand in the wisdom of men. Faith can't stand in the wisdom of men. Faith can't stand anything else except where it's located in Christ Jesus. That's the only place faith can stand. Amen? The first time your heart, you believed under righteousness, you were given the measure of faith that your faith, that measure that you now live by, being the faith of the Son of God, may stand in, in the power of God. Hallelujah. Howbeit, Paul says, we speak wisdom. We are speaking wisdom, but it's not of men. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. And that word means mature. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world. See, he's, he's expounding on this, this, this difference between the, 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 the wisdom of the world that James talks about in chapter 3 of James and the wisdom that comes through the preaching of the cross because there's no other avenue of wisdom. It's the wisdom of this world that doesn't know the truth of Calvary's Christ or if it does and not walking in it. Uh, or it is faith in Calvary's Christ, literally subjecting our hearts to that truth of Jesus and what he did. So listen, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, maturing, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. The wisdom of this world comes to nothing, which is the focus of everything other than Christ and him crucified. The focus of everything other than Christ and him crucified. But we speak, look at this so carefully. He said he didn't want to know anything among you. He didn't know anything among them but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And now he's telling what that looked like. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, at the cross, Satan didn't know that he was setting a trap for his own self. Let's just go over there to what I mentioned earlier so you can highlight it in the Bible. And uh, let's go look at it. Psalm 69 so you can see it and, and write it down, highlight it, and, 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 and add this to your notes here in our, in our setting today. That the cross of Christ is that when accepted by man and trusted from his heart in Jesus and what he did by dying for the forgiveness of their sins. That's what the Bible calls believing unto righteousness because that's what God is offering through his death and what God makes those who trust in the death of Jesus. That's what God makes us in Christ Jesus is righteous, hallelujah. But not only is the cross of Christ the place where all who will be saved will be saved, but it, all, it is also that trap that is set there, hidden from those who fight against the great truth of Calvary. And watch this powerful revelation given by the psalmist through the Holy Spirit in Psalm 69, verse 22. 
Psalms chapter 69, verse 22, where this word of God says, let their table become a snare before them. And that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. You see, they had their own table. They, they refused to eat off the table provided by the Lord where he put the meat and the drink on the table at Calvary's cross through the death of Jesus. Jesus told us in John chapter 6, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And he taught that those that do eat my flesh and drink my blood, they are those who have my life. Outside of faith in the cross, we have no life. And even for us who have been given eternal life, when our hearts begin to yield again to the sin nature, meaning we're trusting in anything other than the death of Jesus, all we can do is become servants of death again by serving the sin nature. But you need to understand that is another table. That is another table. There's only one table of the Lord, and it is set so beautifully at Calvary's cry, at, at the cross when Jesus provided the broken bread, the meat for the body of Christ. For all, really, for all the world, the only ones who can partake are those who believe and become the, the, those the body of Christ. He did that for all the world. He tasted death for all men. And he provided his shed blood and his broken body as the meal on the Lord's table. There's nothing else on the Lord's table. And any other table from which we're eating other and drinking other than that, the cross of Christ, his death, then it's another table. And let's read this again. It's so powerful and very prophetic of the reality of what happens to everybody who isn't trusting in the sacrifice of Christ. Even, even Christians who are on their way to heaven, have been born again, have received the Spirit of God, and the list is endless of what we have and who we are as born-again children of God. But if we get caught not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ, then we're going to be trapped by whatever it is that we are trusting in. All it can do is trap us and paralyze us. And that's why Paul comes in with the message of nothing but Christ and him crucified. That's it. That's all that's on the table. That's the only place where the deep things of God are entered into and entered on into. And remember that. Anything else I'm trapped in, even if it's a picture, that, even if I'm deceived and I'm telling you that this, this, and this is working for me, you're saying the cross is all that works, but I'm evidence that that's not true because this, this, and this is working for me. Listen, that's deception. Nothing works for you spiritually by the Spirit of God other than your partaking of that divine nature through faith in the sacrifice. Whatever you're claiming this, this, and this that's working for you, that your church is doing, that your preacher's preaching, and it's not partaking of the Lamb, 
there's nothing there but deception. And deception means I don't know that I don't know. That's what deception is. I don't know that I don't know, but I think I do. Get that now. Deception. I hope you take that to, to heart today. People who are deceived don't know they're deceived. Christians who are deceived don't know they're deceived. And they must hear the word of truth. It must be placed before them. That's why we constantly on social media and every week at the church house and constantly putting forth, publishing the word of the truth of the gospel. And, and not all those folk are going to hear it and return to their first love scripturally in the first work scripturally. Listen, if they're not willing to come back and be determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified and get up and get out of those places where obviously that's not the case, then they're going to stay deceived, even though they say, well, I've got it. My, my preacher might not have it, but I do know. No, there's a level of deception there when you won't get up and get out and you just keep sitting under the mixture. And, you know, I, the Lord showed me the other day that, you know, if I raise my kids telling them that, you know, don't, don't partake of alcohol, you don't want to be a drunk, don't hang out with drunks, and, and, and you know, the Bible equates false doctrine as, as, as being, and drunk and and so and then then I and I teach them that for years but then I start letting drunks come in my house and and put on their show of drunkenness in front of my kids that's that's not a good thing so we must walk in a place where we're determined to know nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified and if we're not to the degree that we're not is the same degree that we're eating off some other table and whatever that other table is, it's trapping us. It's, it's the hindrance. And let's read it again. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. I hope the Holy Spirit would give you the great revelation a little bit more anyway of that great truth there. So let's go back over here. And let's finish in verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. These that are trusting in nothing but Christ and him crucified. Because listen to me carefully, and this is not being ugly, it's just scripturally correct, all the time that I'm not trusting in nothing but Christ and him crucified, there's a lack of love there on my part toward God. Love's not about feelings and emotions. Love, Jesus said, is about obeying him. That's how we show our love to him, by obeying him. Now, you'll have to admit, along with myself today, that we don't always have the display of love for our God that we do love. Oh, we love God. But we honest folk have to admit, sometimes we love ourselves a little bit more than we love the Lord. I'm just being real with you, do we not? For someone, not me, bless God, I, I always love God more than I love myself. No, that attitude right there proves that, you, 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 do you see what I mean? And, and listen, 
when I'm trusting in what I'm doing for maturity or, or deliverance or any type of any part of God's salvation, then I'm trusting in myself. And while I'm doing that, Jesus said I can't even follow him. So therefore, I can't be manifesting a love for him if I'm not following him. Amen. That's good, ain't it? I got, I got to deny self, take up my cross to be able to follow him, and only while I'm following him can I be learning of him. And the whole point of me learning of him is to be obedient to him, to be more like him. Amen. Amen. And this only happens when I'm trusting in his sacrificial work for me at Calvary. Amen. You can't, you can't refute this. You, you can't go around it. If you try to go around the preaching of the cross, that route around, there's a trap laid there for you. There's a trap laid there for you. When we try to bypass the cross, the scripture in Psalm 69, 22 tells us it's a trap. If you try to go around the cross, there's a trap. You, 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 that's what the cross is. It's God's judgment. It's God's judgment. Let's look at this scripture. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you. In, in the book of, uh, let me see where we're at here. In Psalms, in Psalms again, watch these two Bible verses here. In Psalms 36 and 6, your righteousness is like the great mountains and your judgments are a great deep. Oh, Lord, you preserve man and beast. Notice the word preservation there, preserve there, and the mention of God's judgments and his righteousness. You see, all God's judgments are judgments of righteousness. They're high as the mountains, and they're deeper beyond our imagination can even imagine. They're deep. Now, let's read this again, and I'll give you another scripture today to add to your notes and to study out before the Lord. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O oh Lord, you preserve man and beast. Get this now in Psalms 92 and 5. And let's see if the Holy Spirit would give us these scriptures today rightly divided, righteously divided, so our eyes could behold a greater picture of the beauty of the Lamb of God and what he's provided for us in his death on Calvary's cross. Watch Psalms 92 and 5. O oh Lord, how great are your works. Not our works. How great are your works. And your thoughts are very deep. God's thoughts are very deep. Now, also there's a scripture in the, through the prophet Isaiah, and I believe it's Isaiah 55, if I, I might be wrong, but uh, Isaiah 55 talks about the, the thoughts of the Lord are so much higher than our thoughts as, as men and women. As they're, as far, they're higher than the heavens are above the earth, higher than our thoughts and his ways also. And here we're told that God's thoughts are very deep. Very deep. The, the God's thoughts, uh, listen to me now, God's thoughts have been given and uttered 
to, to us through the Scriptures. Do you hear me? God's thoughts have been uttered to us through the Scriptures. Words, God's words, are God's thoughts and God's ways given to men so that men can think like God, not like God things, thinks, but see how God, not how, but see what he's thinking. I'll get it right in a minute. This is something you got to be careful with because the way God thinks is not the same way we think. We'll have a meeting and make plans, and by the end of the meeting, we've changed 10 times, and we're still not quite sure if what we've planned is even going to be able to be worked out. But if God has a thought, it's, it's already been an eternal thought, and it's already been a, a done deal for eternity. And I've said this a thousand times, and I'll say it again right now. God can never have a new thought. Because if he does, that means before that thought came, there was something he wasn't aware of. God always knows all things at all times about everything. He doesn't sit around and scratch his head and wonder what he's going to do next. He's, he, he's not trying to figure out how he's going to deal with something. He always knows all things at all times. Nothing is new to him because all things are of him. We, we, we cannot handle the depth of the reality of that. We just believe it because the Bible says that he is eternal. He is eternal. That means everything about him is eternal. And so when the Bible here tells us that his, his judgments are deep, his judgments are his word. Because his words come from his thinking. And God has given us the, the truth here that his thoughts are very deep. Very deep. But he has is, he is hidden them back to 1 Corinthians 2. He's, he, the, these, these deep things of God are God's deep ways for men. That he shows them, reveals to those... Who what? Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6, I believe it's verse 33, that if we would seek his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things that we need will be added to our lives. What do we need? Not just food and drink. He's going to take care of us. He's going to add to our lives all those things that the world's scratching each other's eyes out to, and suing each other to be able to have. He's just going to add those things to our lives. But notice the great revelation in that promise. For those who seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, that's what they're, they're not seeking a, a, a T-bone steak in his kingdom and they're not seeking uh, the greatest financial status in his kingdom and righteousness they're seeking his kingdom righteousness peace and joy and his righteousness before all things and that allows God because it's God's prescribed way of adding all things that we'll ever need even in this world which is the context mentioned there but I want you to see today th these people are seeking the kingdom these people are seeking these 
these judgments that are a great deep, these, this righteousness of God that's like the mighty mountains and his righteous judgments that are a very deep, that are all based on his thinking, which his thoughts are very deep. God brings us in to the depth of who he is when he saves us. And pretty soon, the Lord's going to give me a message concerning the man with the line in his hand and these places of various depths that you and I have the potential. They're not automatic, but we have the potential, the opportunity to walk in deeper places with God. And I'm not talking about some woo spooky things. I'm talking about the deeper truth of Calvary's Christ. I need to say that again. The deeper truths of our God are not found outside of learning who Jesus is and what Jesus provided in his death on Calvary's cross. This is the great well of salvation we were uh, 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 called to to drink. This is the great wells of salvation that we've been uh, drawn to to drink. And now that that is coming to the lesson here today, let's go in Isaiah, the prophet, and read. Let's just go to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 12. I've got verse 3 here that we'll read, but I want us to read verse 1 through 3 and watch the beauty of this because when you're talking about the deep things of God that Paul said you're not going to experience outside of the revelation and the determination to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified, I want you to see that it's even found here through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 3. Watch the first three verses in Isaiah chapter 3. For behold, that means look and see, watch this. The Lord, the Lord of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay, and that means the stock and the store, every support and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not in the right chapter. I'm so sorry that I'm supposed to be in Isaiah chapter 12. Forgive me, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry, thank you for correcting me if you did on social media. I need it all the time. Isaiah 12, verse 1, I knew that wasn't sounding right. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, And in that day you shall say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though you was angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Now, you might say that's prophetic of Israel, and I'll agree with you, but it's not just Israel it's prophetic with, it's you and me. God's no longer angry with us. His wrath is no longer against us, and that wrath that is coming we're no we've been we've been delivered from it, the Bible says. And you say, well, God's never been angry with me. Let me show you a scripture in the Bible that will help you understand that's a wrong way of thinking. And the scripture is Psalms 7 and 11 that says this, God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. You and I were wicked before we were saved. That's just the way it is. Before we were born again, 
We were a wicked and corrupt tree that could bear nothing but wicked and corrupt fruit. No matter how good it looked, we were doing it, but we weren't doing it in Christ. And God doesn't accept anything and only sees wickedness and evil and corrupt outside of Christ. That's why we got to get saved, born again, and be in Christ to become that tree of righteousness to be able to bear fruit of his righteousness. Glory be to God. So let me read that again, Psalm 7, 11, before we move on. God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. So God was angry with us before we were born again, but that anger has been removed because of our faith being in the one who took all our sin Shame and guilt and everything that God was angry at, Christ took it and nailed it to his cross. Hallelujah. Verse 2 here in Isaiah 12. Behold, God is my salvation. Notice the context. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. You get away from the salvation focus of the word even if you're trying to teach on prophecy or the creation it don't matter. When you get away from salvation you're away from where the word can be applied to the heart and it's just literally nothing but information. We don't need information. We need information that is truth that can be applied to the heart and the truth of God's word cannot be applied to our heart that will put our feet in it if it's not dipped in the blood of Jesus. Glory be to God. Watch this now. Let's read verse 2 again. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. He's not just... The one I say is my salvation. He has become my salvation. Watch verse 3. Therefore, with joy, you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. The deep things of God are never... Let me say it one more time. The deep things of God are never outside of the revelation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. We call as men in the flesh the deep things of God just by hearing something we didn't know or this scripture tied to this scripture that's tied to this scripture. But if they're not touching redemption, they're not what's coming out of that whale of salvation. The only thing that comes out of the whales of salvation is the revelation of the one who saved us by his precious blood. Glory be to God. Men can demonstrate with great words of wisdom and perform very well pulling scriptures from every direction and presenting them. But if that centerpiece of that scripture that has been 
rightly, rightly divided, supposedly rightly divided, just because they've been put together by men. They, listen, you're going home with nothing. Listen, the only thing that bonds all of the word together is the blood of Jesus. Ah, ah, the only thing that holds all the word of God together is the blood of Jesus, the one who is seated at the right hand of the majesty right now on high, holding all things together by the word of his power, which is the power of the cross. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So let's get this right and make sure. And this is, I know most people that follow our ministry are people who have already been brought out of all the faults, all that which points in wrong directions, all that that is only putting on a show, all that that sends us home after the service with nothing, all that that leaves us like we, we've been brought out of that back to the place where the waters, the, the waters of the Lord, the rivers of living water are flowing through our heart because we're learning to trust and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the scriptures have said. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. Watch this. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. You see in that scripture there in Isaiah, we see the cross in this scripture. Those who say, well, that's only because you're looking for the cross of Christ. You're absolutely right. Could you say it again and testify on my behalf? Hallelujah. That's what I tell those that say, you know, for years, they say, y'all, man, don't, don't you, y'all still just stuck at the cross. I say, could you say it again? Testify on my behalf again. I'm not moving from the place I entered in to my first love. I'm not moving from the place that the first works began. I'm not moving from the place where I can dip down, hallelujah, with my hungry heart into the deep wells of God's salvation. I'm not moving from this place. I already have moved from it, and it caused me and my family great harm. It caused me harm for years by moving away from this well of salvation. No, Oh, no, I never lost my salvation. No, no, I, 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 did, I didn't ever tell anybody that you had to do anything but believe in Jesus to be saved. But oh my goodness, at the beauty of all the other tables, I sat and tried to feed people that which was uh, to eat other than that which did save us. Oh, most ministers are doing it today. And if they don't stop, they're going to have a, a heavy price to pay at the judgment seat of Christ if that is the judgment they end up at. I got news for you. There's only one table and it's been set. It was set and laid forth by God before the foundation of the world when he saw the lamb slain. That table was set before humanity on a hill called Calvary. When the love of God in its greatest manifestation was, was, was brought forth 
in the death of his son, but also the greatest hatred toward God was seen there in that day. And I hope you've learned that by now. Not only was the greatest manifestation of God's love shown to all who will believe at Calvary, but the greatest picture of hatred influenced by satanic powers themselves was seen there at the cross that day that Satan cast a trap for the Savior of the world world but he was caught in that trap all oh, the wisdom of God all oh, the power of God oh we might have ventured and we might have moved away from it and sometimes we still look away from it but the faithful Lord always through his spirit grabs us and puts our face back on the place where God's countenance through Christ shines upon us hallelujah oh great truth this is the deep things of God, you won't find them without your heart touching Calvary. Oh, you might learn Scripture. You might be able to quote Scripture. You might have many, many people following you. But with listen, numbers don't matter. Numbers don't matter at all. What matters is are those that are following you following you because they see you following the one who went to Calvary. And the proof they're following you because of that is because that's what you're preaching. That's what you're teaching. That's what you open the Bible up to and let the Holy Spirit point them through you to hallelujah hallelujah it ain't how many these big numbers on social media oh they got millions listen they ain't they, most in people following people to be following people that's why the book of corinthians was even written for the most part and 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 the lord through paul is trying to get them back to the place of being determined not to listen to the way men speak not to see how eloquent they are. Not to even see how well they can put the scriptures together. How well they can sing and how beautiful they sing Amazing Grace. The point of this letter is to get the church back to the place of being determined to know absolutely nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. We, listen, if that's where you will let the Lord bring you back to, and, and, and he, listen, he can't do that for you until he first reveal is allowed to reveal to you that all that stuff that you've been pointing to and focusing on and boasting in and made it your whole ministerial focus, if it's not the cross, you got to first come to the realization you've been wrong. You've been wrong. You Listen, you, there, there are many preachers who open the Bible and talk about money all the time. There are many preachers who open the Bible and talk about prophecy all the time. There are many preachers who open the Bible and think it's all about this and all about that. But my Bible is the Word of God, and the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and went to the cross for us so that that same living Word by His Spirit through faith in his blood could be applied to our hearts, hallelujah, and there could be fruit from our feet walking in this great truth, our serving obedience unto righteousness. What a wonderful truth today, powerful session. Watch Isaiah 12 and 3 then again. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. The wells of salvation are so ever deep. 
so ever deep. Peter says that we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We're kept by the power of God, which is the preaching of the cross, by the way, through faith unto salvation. Amen. That means that as long as we keep hearing the scriptures in the light of Calvary's Christ, we're still drinking from the right well. And let me tell you something, those waters are always fresh, they're always new, they're always clean, and they always produce life. Hallelujah. Oh, they produce life that can be seen by others. But watch the wording of this scripture in Isaiah in the light of what we have in the new covenant. Therefore, with joy, you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. It's our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, that endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Nehemiah 8 and 10 tells us that that joy of the Lord, that joy that allowed him to, that caused him to endure the cross for it, has become our strength. Hallelujah. Therefore, when we are drinking from the wells of this salvation that we have access to because our Savior endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, this means that when we're drawing water out of the wells of salvation, it's only because our faith is in what he did for us to provide us that salvation. And with the joy of the Lord, we draw the, the water that gives us life and keeps, to, keeps us washed clean by the blood of Jesus along this way. Remember, we've been saved by the blood, but our fellowship with Jesus, if we walk in the light, uh, He is in. We have fellowship one with another and his blood cleanses us, cleanses us, an ongoing cleansing. And it's the light of God's word in the revelation of the blood that cleanses us in our daily walk and keeps us in right and proper fellowship with Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, my goodness. If this don't charge your inner man, if this doesn't quicken your inner man, you might not have a new inner man. If this doesn't light your fire uh, or kindle your fire, you might not have a fire. Hallelujah. Therefore, with joy, we shall draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Let's read verse 4. And in that day you shall say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Oh, where is the name of Jesus? What caused God to exalt his name above every other name? That name of Jesus? It was because he endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him and gave him a name that's higher than ever other name. That the name, at the name of Jesus, men can be saved and reach farther and farther into this great well of salvation. They are the people that are 
praising the Lord. They are the people who are calling upon his name, declaring his doings among the among the people, making mention that his name is exalted. Not that preacher, not that pre His name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, verse 5, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Hallelujah. There's coming a day where the fullness of the reality of what we have now is going to cover the earth the Bible says, as the, the, the waters cover the sea, the whole earth, hallelujah, is going to be experiencing in its fullness what you and I are tasting of now. How blessed we are. How glorious it is to be learning the truths of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That every word points to Him can only be fulfilled in him through through faith in his sacrifice in the heart of men hallelujah and again i'll go back to the springboard scripture today and finish but as it is written i has not seen nor ear has heard neither hath it even entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But as it is written. Why don't we say that again? Jesus loves saying that and I am learning to, to love to say it more than ever before. But as it is written. Mm, hallelujah. God has revealed them unto us. Let's read that again, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Because the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. That phrase again as I close is right here where the context is coming back to a focus of Christ and Him crucified. You and I, my friend, we are so blessed for our God to have found us strayed from this truth and to have convicted us and convinced us that we were wrong and brought us back to the place he drew us near the very first time, which was to the place where Jesus shed his blood. And this is the place he'll keep those that his keeping power through faith will be able to be kept. And this place will experience first love, first works, and, and, and the power that we've been given by His Spirit, the, the ability, I might put it, by His Spirit to be able to drink, to draw forth from that well of salvation. We, on this side of glory, are not going to know how blessed we are, but we can be intentionally, deliberately and consciously striving together for the faith 
of the gospel that provides these very truths in reality, in our experience, and our expression in this journey. Praise be to God. So thankful for all of you who join us now on Mondays and Fridays at lunchtimes, central time at 12 noon. And I encourage you, if you can't do that live, <coughs> go back to the website. You'll find it there later. Go back to the YouTube channel where later you'll find it at Curtis Hutchinson 316. And again, don't forget to check out the website with its upgrades and the store and the blogs that you can read and the other things that are there, the, 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 the pod bean player right on the front, right on the very front. And you can just hear the word of the truth of the gospel and be just greatly blessed. And I pray for all of you, every one of you, so thankful for you and whatever it is in your life that's hindering whatever area is being hindered. I pray God's touch be upon you today, your body, your soul, and your spirit. As we pray for all those who are sick in body and distracted and agitated in their spirit and disturbed in their minds, that the revelation of the Lamb of God would grow and grow in their hearts so that they could experience the freedom that Jesus provided through his death at Calvary. God bless you. I love you. And if the Lord stirs your heart to give an offering to him through this ministry, you can do that at the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950, where you have the option to give tithes and offerings to the youth, Bibles to inmates that we mail 10 a week, so whatever. Many of you are gleaning through this ministry, and I pray that God would be able to stir your heart to help us do what he's doing through us here. And I praise God for all of you who will allow him to do that through you. Praise God. I love you, and I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. We'll see you then.